0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, this morning, I would to really change tack on what I was going to do and that was start a new series. But Pastor Ashley spoke last week, such a powerful message. I don't know how many of you were here, but if you were not here, you need to get a hold of the podcast and have a listen to his message that he entitled East from West. And he was addressing the subject of forgiveness. And it so impacted my life. I thought, I just want to hang here a little bit. I don't want to just move off this subject for another series when I felt God was all over every word that Ashley shared on this particular subject. I love working in a team because although I'm the team leader, at different times, different members of the team take the lead. And Ash has definitely taken the lead on my preaching today. And so instead of having one week of Ashley's vulnerability around this issue, we're going to make it a two-week series now. And depending on how today's, today goes, it could even be a three-week series. And I want to say thanks to Ash. He's not here, he's on holidays, but I want to acknowledge him because he really has set the tone for everything I want to share. So this morning, we're just going to be looking at East from West, part two. But instead of looking at the issue of forgiveness in the area that Ashley mainly addressed, and that was forgiveness of others, I want to look at something that's equally as important and equally as problematic if we don't get it right, and that is forgiveness of yourself. We need to learn forgiveness of others, absolutely. But equally so, we need to learn how to forgive ourselves. We need to learn how to forgive me. And if you would please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 10. Philippians was written by a man by the name of Paul. He was the great apostle who wrote much of the New Testament. And when he wrote this particular letter, he found himself in a prison cell. And this is what he had to say in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. He says, "I want to know Christ." Yes, to know him in the power of his resurrection and participation of his sufferings. I think that's an amazing thought. I mean, we all get that we want to know Christ in the power of His resurrection. Anything that it can empower my life, we want from Christ. But Paul says, I not only want the stuff that empowers me, I want to know Christ so intimately, I want to have a fellowship at the level of His suffering. That's how much I desire to know Christ. Is there anyone here who wants to know Christ that intimately? that you would experience the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, becoming like Him, Paul says, even in His death. And so somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take a hold for that which Christ took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Oh, but this one thing, everyone say one thing. Amen. He says, This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. Consistently and constantly encourage us to engage in the discipline of forgiveness. And the reason for this is because God knows that we will be regularly placed in situations where we need to put into practice the discipline of forgiveness. Why? Well, let me give you a newsflash and a reality check. We all. Say all. We all live in an imperfect world, full of imperfect people that make imperfect decisions. And the consequence of these imperfections is that we all experience incredible pain. Because we live in an imperfect world, with imperfect people making imperfect decisions, we all experience incredible pain. Anyone out there know what I'm talking about? In other words, we are all victims of somebody else's imperfections. And those imperfections produce in us pain. And this is a pain that you will not escape until the day we go to be with Christ. Because where people are, pain is. There's no perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, then keep looking because we are not one. I know that because you're here. (laughs) And I'm here. This church is full of imperfection. And it's full of people. And wherever there are imperfect people, pain always exists i just want a reality check and that's what i love about scripture scripture enables us to marry the expectation of better things with the reality of bad things and that's why we need to be men and women not of thoughts or feelings but of the word of god because the word of god helps marry our expectation with our frustration And the reason we get frustrated is because we have expectation. If you don't expect something, you don't get frustrated. The reason we get frustrated is because we expect something good. We prayed a prayer and we expected something good. And now we're frustrated. Hey, that's good. That means you believe what you prayed. You were actually expecting something. That's a good thing. But you know what? God has plans for us that sometimes we're not aware of. And that's why we've got to hang around long enough in order to see what God had in mind. And Scripture is as full of that as it is, the best is yet to come. And so Scripture is full of great expectation, but it's also full of great realities. And the Bible is very clear that you can't live in this world and not experience pain. Paul says it this way, that we will face many hardships. We face the pain of people's selfishness. I said, put your hand up, who's ever experienced the pain of somebody else's selfishness? I'm sure every hand would go up. We experience all kinds of pain. The pain of being underappreciated. Have you ever felt underappreciated? And where we feel underappreciated at its highest level is by those who are closest to us. But here's the good news. Jesus knows exactly how that feels. Every day of his life, he was underappreciated. Even as a babe, there was a king that wanted to kill him. Talk about underappreciated. Jesus went back many years later to his hometown and they didn't receive him because he was just the carpenter's son. And so he said, a prophet in his hometown is not appreciated. So if you've ever felt the pain of being underappreciated, you're in good company. Jesus felt it, and I imagine every one of us in this room has felt the pain of being underappreciated. Maybe it's the pain of a broken marriage. Maybe it's the pain of a wayward child. Maybe it's the pain of a abusive parent. This is what I do know. Wherever there is the presence of pain, there is the need for healing. And that's why I need you to hang in there, church, Because God is going to do something today as He will do tomorrow and ongoingly into our future because He's committed to our future and He'll reveal things to us. And sometimes those things are painful, but what you need to know is what He reveals, He heals. He reveals things in our life in order to bring the necessary healing. And the first step to healing is always forgiveness. And Jesus is the greatest example of what forgiveness looks like. The Scriptures are full of instruction. But Jesus is the example of that instruction. And so if you want to know what to do, read the Scriptures. That will give you the instruction of what you need to do. But if you want to know how it looks, look to the life of Jesus. Because He modelled what the Scriptures said. Without having Christ as our model, we will interpret Scriptures the wrong way and come up with all kinds of notions on what holiness looks like and what it doesn't look like. Whereas Jesus shows us firsthand what forgiveness looks like when He was on the cross. When people were hurling insults at Him. You've got to remember, Jesus is on the cross. He's dying. He's been beaten, battered and bruised. He's beyond recognition. To look at Jesus prior to His beating and after, you wouldn't be able to recognise it's the same guy. He was a bloody mess upon this cross and these people were not remorseful. They were not sorry. They were gleefully excited that this guy is gonna die. And Jesus in a whisper says, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they are doing. He had a higher revelation. If you wanna know what forgiveness looks like, let's look to the life of Jesus. See, true biblical forgiveness means to pardon. And that's what Jesus did, Jesus did for us. We committed the crime. We deserve to do the time. And Jesus says, I will pay your price. I will pay the price for your offense and I will pardon you. That's what true biblical forgiveness is all about. And Jesus wants us to live out of appreciation of being pardoned that now we would pardon others. So someone may have done the crime and they may have deserved the time, but we're going to choose to be like Christ out of appreciation that we have first been forgiven. We are now going to forgive others because we are appreciative of the fact that we were first forgiven. I look at it this way. No one has offended me more than I offended Jesus. This is how I choose to live my life. No one has offended me more, no one. No one can do or say anything to me ever my whole life that offends me more than I offended Jesus. And yet Jesus loves me and He forgives me. And for me, that settles it. It's not easy to walk out but it's my starting place, it's my go-to. When I'm struggling to forgive, I remember that no one's offended me more than I offended Christ, and yet Lord, you forgive me. And now I have an appreciation of your forgiveness, of your great pardon of my life. I wanna live extending the same pardon to others. It's how I choose to live my life. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But this is the one area that hooks people and catches people more than any other. And I want us to be a church that lives in true biblical freedom. And the way to true healing is through forgiveness. Forgiveness, in other words, is not for the person. It's not for the other person. It's for your heart. I had a pastor friend of mine ring me a couple of years ago and he phoned me to say, Have I offended you, Tony? Because things have gone quiet between us. And I said, You know, I'm sorry that it's gone quiet between us, but there's certainly no offense. I I would call it busyness. And I said, By the way, it does take two. You haven't phoned me either, but. And he went, Oh, yeah, good point. And then he went on to say, No, I I didn't think so. I, I didn't think you were like that. I know you to be a forgiving person. And I won't mention his name, but I went on to say, I said, I do forgive, but can I be really selfish and really honest with you? I said, it's not just because I love you. But I said, I choose to forgive and not harbour grudges because I love me too much. I've seen what unforgiveness does to people. I've seen how people talk about an event and the way they talk about it, you would be convinced that it happened this morning. You ever been with someone who talks about something that is so fresh and so real and so passionate and so vibrant in their delivery? You think must have just happened. And you say, when did that happen? I said, oh, 1973 or four, can't quite remember. Wow, you've lived with that. I love me too much to do that. I really do. I look in the mirror and I say, you're a good guy. Because God doesn't make rubbish. You are the apple of his eye. You're not rubbish. You're not junk. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're here on purpose for a purpose. And you need to be able to look in the mirror. And you need to be able to love yourself because God loves you. While it may take a while for our feelings to catch up with our forgiveness, we need to hang in there. See, feelings can only catch up when your heart is truly healed. And hearts aren't always healed, sometimes, but not always healed immediately. Sometimes it's incrementally. But can I just say this? There are a lot of people today confusing a healed heart with a hard heart. Just because it's not hurting you anymore doesn't mean it's not hurting you anymore. You say, oh, I don't worry about that. I don't feel that anymore. Yeah, because your heart's got so hard. You cannot feel something anymore because you've been healed and you cannot feel something anymore because you've got a hard heart. And there's a lot of people that are confusing today in the body of Christ, a healed heart with a hard heart. And many of them get to my age and start rechanging their theology out of a hard heart and they change their view on what church is and what church isn't. But as teenagers with a soft heart, they just love Jesus and they were at church all the time and they gave. But the hardness over years because of the people pain changes our theology. We say, I oh, don't worry about that anymore, I'm healed. No, 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 you've changed everything about your life because you've closed off. Jesus told a parable of seed falling on four different soils. On the good soil, it germinated and produced a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. That's what God's intention for us, to have a harvest. But one of the soils was the rocky soil, the hard, stony soil. And the seed couldn't get root. It couldn't germinate because... The soil was too hard. It's a picture to us of the hard recesses in our heart that stop us receiving the Word of God. We hear it, but we don't receive it, and it doesn't germinate because it's too hard. When the offering buckets go around, maybe because of a past transaction where you were financially ripped off, that heart, I'm not doing that. I'm not, and we, get, we miss the moment. And I believe what God is wanting to do, be it slowly, but definitely surely, soften our hearts again. Because if we live with hard hearts, we will prescribe our pain management. And our pain management, we always subscribe to ourselves, is distance, avoidance, and running away. And we put up walls to keep people out. The trouble is the walls we put up to keep people out are the same walls that keep God coming in to our life and to our heart. This is why forgiveness is so powerful and so important. A healed heart is the one that has the walls removed that they built because of those offences. The truth is, all of us in this room, myself included, have experienced pain because of other people's imperfections. And so if that's you, you're in great company. Welcome to church. Church, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you love this church and no one's ever offended you, that tells me you are new. <laughs> that's all that tells me. It just tells me you're new. This is so great! It's so friendly! It's amazing! I said, it is, but hang around, <laughs> mate. Come back tonight. We may just prove that, you know. Just it's people. It's people, and the Bible talks about this. People who struggle with this to me they don't read the Bible because it's the Bible's full of this. It's people pain, and Jesus is the greatest example of how to manage people pain and he didn't run away, he didn't distance himself, he didn't point a finger, he didn't blame, he just kept on going. We've all been affected by other people's imperfections, but I believe it would be equally as true to say this, that we've all been affected and experienced pain because of our own imperfections. I don't need anyone else to offend me. I have a good job. I I can make myself really miserable just by my own actions. Anyone else in that company? I mean, if everyone else was kind to me, I have the ability all by myself, based on my incredible imperfections, to stuff my own life up all by myself. And it's this, along with the forgiveness of others, we need to forgive ourselves in order to experience true healing. We have the wounds of our own decisions. We need to forgive others, but we also need to forgive ourselves. And what I love about the scriptures I read earlier is how Paul paints an incredible picture for us on how to win over regret. See, all of us in this room have some, be it mild or great, form of regret. It could be financial Regret. It could be relational regret. Some of you in this room are so grateful for the child that that relationship produced. You're grateful for the child, but you regret the relationship. You're grateful for the child, but oh, that relationship. And you gave your all to that relationship. Some of you gave your name to that relationship. And it's a pain that you can't undo. There's moral regret. It could be an indiscretion you've had, a career regret. You made a business transaction, it went bad and you lost everything. Regret can become so deep that it imprisons our lives. And as a result, we keep punishing ourselves and try to fix something that cannot be fixed. Or some of us are so caught up in the pain of it all, we actually believe that we are so bad that we deserve the punishment that we feel. And if that's you today, the Word of God is here to set you free. The Holy Spirit is here to set you free. If you've ever wrestled with regret, hey, you're not alone. Paul says, I want to know Christ. In other words, just like you and me, Paul had dreams, desires, aspirations. Every one of us has dreams, desires, and aspirations. Paul had them. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to see more signs and wonders. I want to know him in the fellowship of the suffering. I want to plant more churches. Paul had dreams. Dreams are not bad. Paul had expectations. And like I said before, whenever there are expectations, guess what? There's also frustration because not always our expectations turn out the way we thought they would. And so I know Paul experienced frustration because he had expectation. And he goes on to say, not only do I want to know Christ, he said, not that I've obtained this and nor have I achieved my goal. In other words, he says, I have dreams and goals, but I haven't achieved them. And what Paul is saying is, I want to teach you how to get to a place that I have not got to myself yet. Talk about the consummate learner. Paul says, I want to teach you how to get somewhere that I'm not even there yet. He's not being hypocritical. He's letting you know, I'm not there. I haven't arrived. I haven't obtained it. But I want to teach you how to get there. I want you to join me in the journey as we seek to get there together. I'm not there. I'm not the expert. But I've learned some things. I haven't obtained it. I haven't reached it. He says, but this one thing I do. And here's the kingdom key. You ready? He says, forgetting the past. Hey, this is easier said than done. I get it. But this is the key. He said, well, what would Paul know? He was a great apostle, wasn't he? Yeah. But he wasn't always a great apostle. His name wasn't always Paul, for that matter. He used to be known as Saul. And when he was Saul, he was a persecutor and an agitator of the church. He actually set notice on the church and because of Saul, a great persecution broke out against the church. In Acts chapter eight, Saul was that young man holding the clothes, the cloaks and the jumpers and the winter, mer- winter project merch. He was holding it all while those were throwing stones at a young disciple named Stephen. And Saul watched this young man get beaten, battered and bruised by rocks to the point of death and felt no remorse, felt good on the inside that this young disciple named Stephen was now dead. He was so thrilled. He said, let's find some more and kill them too. Paul had a past. And yet Paul says, you know what? I'm not where I wanna be, but this one thing I do, I forget the past. Now forgetting doesn't mean you don't remember. Paul remembered it. But when he says forget it, he says, I let go. I don't let that thing have a hold on me anymore. I did it. I did the time. I deserve the crime, but Jesus pardoned me, and so I'm going to pardon myself because Jesus pardoned me. The same blood that pardoned my life, I'm going to apply to my life to pardon myself. I forget what's behind. And then He says, and I press on. I press on to the goal. If you're going to live a life free from regret and overcoming regret, you're going to have to press. You're going to have to push. I said before, it's not easy. But with Christ, all things are possible. And those thoughts would come, who do you think you are? I'll tell you who I am. And you've got to fight those thoughts. You're the persecutor of the church. Who do you think you are, Paul? You're not Paul, you're Saul. We know who you are. He said, that may be true, that's who I was. But I forget that because the blood of Christ saved me and healed me and pardoned me of all my sins. I'm a child of the living God. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I choose to live as a free son, a free daughter in Christ. You gotta press. You gotta push. You gotta fight. You gotta know how to self-talk. People say if you talk to yourself, it's the first sign of madness. No, it's not. It's the first sign of freedom if you're talking the right words. And so Paul says, "I press on. I can't allow the past experiences of my yesterday to keep me from stepping into the reality of my tomorrow." Amen. And so why Paul talks about forgetting certain things, I believe Paul would want us to remember certain things. And in the short time that I have left, I just want to highlight five things very quickly that we can do and would do well to remember when it comes to forgiving yourself. You want to know what they are? Number one, remember that God is sovereign. Remember that God is sovereign. I might have the power but God is in control. People might have power, but God is in control. Paul was in jail because people had the power to put him in jail. But Paul knew and lived by a higher order that God was in control. This very letter that he wrote 2,000 years ago is the very letter that I'm reading to you today and blessing you with. See, God's in control. Remember that God is in control. He knows your end from your beginning. He knows my end from my beginning. And when He called you, He called you with your silly season in mind. Oh, you gotta get this. He called you knowing that you would mess up and that you would fall short. And He called you. Do you think for one moment when Jonah turned around and ran the other way, after God called him to go to Nineveh, God was surprised? No, God knew He would do that but God still called him because God knows the end from the beginning. And do you think when Jonah was going in the opposite direction, God was in Nineveh saying, where did Jonah go? No, 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 no. God was where Jonah was. See, with God, you can run. You just can't hide. It's like Adam and Eve, when they hid behind the bush because they sinned. With God, there is no behind the bush. Because the moment you go behind the bush, God is there. Well, I'll go over here then. No, no, God is there. Are you telling me you can't escape God? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. He's in control. And He called you and He chose you and He anointed you and He appointed you with your silly season in mind. That thing that you just wish you hadn't done, that you're embarrassed about, God knew you'd do it. But He still called you. He still loves you. And now he's saying, I know. Now let's get on with it. Remember God is sovereign. Secondly, remember you gain more through your pain. Sometimes you get more in your pain. Sometimes you get more in your losses than you get in the good times. If we can learn anything from 2016, that's what we can learn. 2016, was a painful year for most of us. I know for me personally, my health, what my family experienced and what we as a church experienced made for a very painful year. But I got to the end of last year and I look back with a fondness. I have this love-hate relationship with 2016 because what happened to me and what happened to our church, I hate. I wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody. I wouldn't wish what went through the Google Moochies on anybody. I hate that. But I can honestly say, what God did in me, I cannot tell you how indebted to God I am because I'm not the same person anymore. And on January 1 of 2017, this year, With tears in my eyes, I said, God, I don't want to ever forget 2016. It was such a precious, beautiful year in my understanding of who you are. And I want to have that. With a smile on my face, I said, minus the other stuff, if possible. But I want to tell you, for me personally, and I'm sure I speak for many here, as tough as it was, there's much good to come from it. David says it was good that I was afflicted, that I might learn God's ways. Isn't that amazing? In other words, it didn't feel good. It didn't look good. But when I see where I am now, it was good. Remember, you gain more through your pain. Thirdly, as the band come, that'd be great. Remember that regret can't undo it. Regret doesn't make it better. It just makes you worse. You can regret all your life, but it doesn't make you any better. It just makes you worse. See, it's going to take more than you just believing in God to get through this. You've got to believe in you. You look at two of the disciples. Both of them messed up, Judas and Peter. They both messed up. Jesus said one would betray him and the other would deny him. Both of them said, no, he won't. It's not true. Both of them disagree with Jesus. You got it wrong. Judas went on to betray Jesus. We know that. Peter went on to deny Jesus three times. We know that. And yet, after doing those things, they both respond differently to each other. Judas goes on and hangs himself. Peter corrects himself. He runs back to Jesus. Judas hung himself. This is a newsflash, people. Jesus did not hang Judas. Judas. We have vilified Judas and missed the point of God's grace. Judas died that day and he didn't have to. Jesus did not hang Judas. Judas hung Judas. And I feel like, there's so many, I feel like I'm speaking to people right now. No one's hanging you, but you're hanging yourself. You're hanging yourself. And I feel God lovingly imploring us to stop it. You don't have to. Judas hanging himself was not God's will for his life. It's what Judas chose for Judas. Stop choosing the death sentence for your life. And when you hold on to unforgiveness, it's like putting a noose around your neck. Stop it. When you refuse to forgive yourself, it's like putting a noose around your neck. Stop it. Because no one wins. No one wins. Judas had a mum and a dad. I don't know if they were alive at the time. I don't know if they were around at the time. But what a painful thing to see your son hanging himself. And he didn't have to. What a waste of a life. Stop wasting your life. Hanging yourself over things you can't bring back and undo. You're not Jesus. Let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. We don't make for good messiahs and we don't make for good saviours. That's why Jesus came. No regret is ever going to undo what you've done. Only Jesus. Number four, remember this, it could have been worse. This is good. Your bad day, I promise you, it could have been worse. Because some of the crazy stuff that you did, that you feel bad about, if you're honest, you didn't do what you really wanted to do. You got stopped too soon. God's sovereign hand intervened. If you've been coming to this church a number of years, you know about my Bondi moment where I lost my call on the beach. And I'm embarrassed about my behaviour. I've told the story with a smile on my face because it helps people, but I'm embarrassed about it. I'm ashamed of it. I get no joy in telling it other than it helps people. Ranting like a f- stupid thing. Shouting at the top of my head, can't believe it, can't believe it. I just, just, I just kept saying it over and over again. Can't believe it. I'm shouting. I don't care who hears me. I'm just, thank God. Bondi Rescue weren't filming that day. <laughs> See what I mean? It could have been worse. And I, th- I thank God no one confronted me because I had an umbrella in my hand. And I had all these thoughts of what I was going to do with this umbrella if anyone said anything to me. I was out of control. I did a bad thing that day. But I'm telling you, I could, I, in my head, I did a lot worse. And I'm so grateful for the sovereign hand of God who somehow just silenced everybody. And it's almost like, now I think back, it's almost like everyone got out my way. It's like the sea parted. Just, I can't believe it. What are you looking at? I can't believe it. It's just ridiculous. Oh, but it could have been so worse. I could have stabbed someone with the umbrella. Bondi Rescue could have been filming it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, seriously. I'm not even joking. Is anyone grateful? that God intervened in your silly season, that your silly season wasn't that much worse. Hey, maybe this is just the way I encourage myself, but I know this, it could have been a lot worse. And the last one is simply this. Remember that God redeems the time. Joel the prophet, Joel chapter two, verse 25 says, I will repay the years the locusts have eaten. See, the prophet Joel was prophesying about a priest to come. And the priest of the day would engage in a very special activity. They would stand between the porch and the altar. Place one foot on the porch, one foot on the altar. One foot on humanity, one foot on divinity. And that moment was like a picture and a type of a priest to come. A priest in the order of Melchizedek, and his name is Jesus, who was fully God and fully man who had one foot on the porch and one foot on the altar, one foot in humanity and one foot in divinity. And with His humanity, He feels like we feel. The pain that we feel, because He allowed Himself to be fully man, He feels the full weight of our pain because He came as a man as He placed His foot on the porch, fully man. And so He feels our pain. But He was also fully God. And with one foot on the altar, not only with one foot on the porch, He can feel our pain, but with one foot on the altar, He can fix our pain. And He can restore to us the years that have been taken from us. We won't get them back, literally. But what I believe it means is that what took us 10 years he can do in one year. Where we messed up and we could have been better parents or I could have been a better husband or if only my first marriage worked out, I've only had that time back. You'll never get that time back. But it's amazing what he can do with your future. We had friends staying with us more recently and, and they made these kind statements of our parenting based upon how our kids have grown up. So kind. Our kids were on their best behavior, you know. Thank you, kids. But it's happened too often. We've had too many people stay in our home. And I can only bribe them so much. I can't bribe them morning, noon, and night for a day on end. And so they're acknowledging something of our parenting based on why our kids grew up. But I know me. I, I know the football games that I was at, the soccer games, and I wasn't even watching them because I was too busy on the phone. I can't get that time back. I know the times when I was there with them, but I wasn't with them. I was there when I'd see a tear in their eyes. We got on an aeroplane to go and be away from them for a week or maybe two. I can't get that time back. But God has an incredible way of restoring lost time, lost years, lost moments. you stand with me this morning? All I'm really trying to say is what a wonderful, wonderful Saviour we have. But He's not only wonderful, He's powerful. He not only feels for us, but He can fix our situation. Fully man, fully God. One foot on the porch, one foot on the altar. One foot in humanity, one foot in deity. This God man is the answer to our hurting hearts. We don't have to have a hard heart and kid ourselves, we're okay. We can let God do supernatural surgery on our heart this morning, Some of you are so entrenched in your thinking, you're saying that's good for others, but it's not true for me. I'm telling you, those who are saying that right now in your help, yourself, what you're saying, I know you are. I'm talking to you. I do not want you to go away from this place today thinking I'm talking about everyone else but you. And you know who you are because you've had that thought right now. You are speaking to yourself right now. I'm telling you, God heard that and He's using me to call you on it. Say, no, he loves you. He loves you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.